Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone. Just a quick warning that this episode is a bit of a heavy one. It contains depictions of financial abuse, emotional abuse, domestic violence, sexual assault, and rape culture. So... Please listen with care. Hello and welcome to Ghosts of Boyfriends Past Podcast. I am Liz Best. Yes, and Tom Harris with you. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us on this main episode. Now, normally you, if you're a regular reader, you might... Be missing the cold open that mm, we normally yes. do. Normally, Tom and I will discuss a particular topic in, of dating and kind of shoot the shit, I guess, a little bit about it. But um, today, we've decided to forego that because we've got a little bit of a heavier episode and I feel like it should just stand on its own. Yeah, some uh, some stories, some ideas uh, are strong enough or important enough to stand on their own two legs and don't don't need our tomfoolery at the, off the top. Mm-hmm. Um so we're going to launch straight into it. Thank you for coming along. And if you need to sit this one out, uh, you heard the warning off the top, fine. Uh, I get it. Um, I've read this story myself. It's heavy. Uh, and if you come back next week, good luck to you. I don't I don't begrudge you that. Um, the world's a hard, dark place at times. And if you need to skip out on on it on a, a little podcast episode, so be it. And other than that, just I guess, I guess we've said it before, but do listen with care. Um the reason why I've decided to put this episode on air is because I feel like it's important. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's continuing discourse that we're talking about specifically in Australia, but the world over um, about violence against women. Um, and I think it is something that should definitely be heard. So first of all, I just want to say a massive thank you to Juanita, yes. who is the person who has written this story in. Um, she took a lot of time to write it out in great detail. I'm going to mention that I have uh, cut it down a little bit just for um, the length of the episode and also because some things I think needed to be censored a little bit. Um, you'll understand when we get there. But in the meantime, here we go. It's going to be rough. Buckle in. But I think it's really important. Mm, so Zane's going to oh, yeah. join us. Sorry, on I forgot to say. Well. I, was, I forgot to say. I was so into like just getting into how serious this is that Zane is actually going to join us on mic. Uncle Zane's here and ready to get real angry. Yeah, because this is basically um, one of the episodes where I'm going to read it out. So we do like to have another voice to ask questions when that happens. All right. Hello, Liz, Tom, and Zane. I fully understand if my story is too heavy to be told on air. However, I feel it needs to be shared with the continuing escalation of family domestic violence in this country. Also, in light of the recent and ongoing investigations into the Queensland Police Force and their treatment of not only female officers but also victims of domestic violence. One of those officers stood down was a classmate of my ex's. Having said that, one of the highest ranking police stood beside me in court to take down my ex as well and was one that helped get the investigation underway. So there are good ones out there, however a lot that should never have been given a badge in the first place. Okay. I think that's pretty clearly said. Um, I'm fairly anti-police. Yes. And the establishment... Um, but that doesn't mean that good individuals don't exist within that framework. Yes, I agree. And just to touch on the opening sentence, uh, I don't believe there's any story that's too big or ugly to have not uh, not just on heard. this not just on this podcast, but to be heard anywhere. The bigger, the uglier, the the more important kind of because this shit thrives in the shadows, as we've said many times yes, on this so podcast before. Anyone write who writes in or has in the past will in the future. Don't try not to apologize about having an experience or having a story. Right? Yeah. The reason we share this is that if anyone finds themselves in this situation, mm. they feel 
a little bit more prepared to take the steps they need to. Yeah. Okay. She says, let me start by taking you back to the beginning. I started going out with Voldemort, we're calling him. Uh, when he when he was in senior and I was a first year hairdressing apprentice, um, but I soon tired of him. But even back then, and thought he was a dick. And if I'm being completely honest, at the age of sixteen, I thought his pink Velcro watch band was a bit of a deal breaker for me back then. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this is mm, okay. Uh, can I ask how old Juanita is now? Like, are we going way back? Like, this is, is way back. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, At that point, it lasted four months and wasn't very serious. I was also 16 and very busy socialising and drinking. I ran into him one night when my friend, uh, with my friend when he'd left school and joined the police academy and seeing that his shoe and watch game had improved somewhat, I was happy to go along with his pursuits. She knows what she likes. Yeah, look. Shoes and watches. Exactly. (laughs) If only it was that easy. Yeah, that's right. He ended up being my first serious boyfriend, the one I lost my virginity to, the one my mother pushed me towards because she approved of him, the school prefect, the policeman. That's rough. Mm. I mean, that's great when you find it. Yes. Yeah, but it's a rough situation to get out of once you need to get out of it. Yeah. We went out for seven years. I was totally smitten with him. I encompassed all of his friends to be in my new circle and eventually let my circle of friends slide which, oh, that breaks my heart. Everything for me revolved around him, how to make him happy and make me feel like I was worthy of him because I'd be told by everyone all the bloody time in caps what a great bloke he was. I think that's a danger of these kind of young relationships because you're growing up together, you're kind of becoming adults together. So... If you're in a situation where one personality is ruling kind of the dynamic that you have, you you can lose yourself in yeah. that dynamic. Yeah. And it's just part of developing the personality that you have as an adult. And what personality you have as a kid might be a great person and as you grow you turn into a right shit heel. Like yeah. Yeah. Uh, even when you're younger, you take you take advice from older people as well. Like if I started dating someone now in my thirties, a brand new person, mm. and my mum was like, "Oh, she's really good. I wouldn't care, mum. I don't care. I want let me arrive on my own opinion." Yeah. But when you're early twenties and your mum's going, "Oh, but he's a prefect and he and, and he's going, he's joining the police he's to the best you school," do, and he's you a- do get other. No, no, my mum tried to push a few girls on me. And I was <laughs> pretty set against it. But that's the that's my that's my point. We get you yeah. get advice and and you do get a bit muddled. Yeah. Okay. So then. He wanted to take a break when I was 21 and naturally I was devastated. Yet during this time he would still see me and sleep with me and then ghost me. I should have ended it then but I was in love and didn't think that I deserved any better. All I wanted to do was marry him, have children and build a family and live happily ever after. My own upbringing had not been very stable, so I just wanted to create that perfect fairy tale. And she's written this in capital letters, I roll. (laughs) I think that eye roll is very much in retrospect. Absolutely. It's, because that's Hindsight. the story. That's yeah. the story you we, that's the story we all want when we're 21. Yep. Is yeah. mm. meet someone, fall in love, marriage, house, kids, mm-hmm. dog, yes, I grow all together. I haven't had to go through the heartbreak of trying <laughs> to buy a house in this country. Yeah. It just happened to me. Yeah. I didn't have to try and find yeah. the person. It just happens. Yes. Yeah. When we were married, it was the first time that we had lived together. The trouble started, yeah, ooh, ooh, yeah. Uh, The trouble started when we got back from our honeymoon and he didn't come near me in bed for three weeks. I was thinking, what the fuck have I done? The anxiety built up. I was questioning myself, stroking his ego, looking for breadcrumbs as to why I'm being abandoned like this with absolutely no explanation other than I'm tired. She's put a bit of commentary in here. In hindsight, going, nah, mate, that's called the silent treatment. It's a manipulation tactic used by narcs to keep their victims in line and under control. Wish I'd known that then. Anywho, moving uh, good, on. Good, good commentary. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit here that I would like to question as well. Mm-hmm. What language was she using to question? Like, she, she, she said that she was, like, stroking his ego and trying to figure out what was wrong. Like, were mm-hmm. they direct questions or was she just know. trying to initiate I don't um, know. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's 
I, I, I guess that's the when you're dealing with manipulation is like actually calling it out by asking the direct questions mm. like why haven't we had sex this week mm. when we're back from our honeymoon where we had sex multiple times? Well, he did week. respond with I'm tired, so I guess a question has been oh, okay. asked if they can have yep. the sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, and if it's just a, a nonchalant response, mm. then that's what you have to deal with. So we had four kids in seven years and I worked all the way through with all of the pregnancies. I didn't have the best health in between and it was remarkable to me that the praise was absolutely lavished on Voldemort for sticking around and doing his fatherly duties. That really fucking blew my mind. They were his kids. Mm. I was made to feel selfish whenever I was ill and it was all my fault every time I got sick. Yeah, that sucks. Who was doing the praising? Yeah. Was it like his co-workers and his family or was it her family as well? I just feel well? like it's everyone the way that she talks about it. Look, I, I get it when like... I think she's just surrounded by not good people. Well, I when I was growing up, when fathers looked after kids, it was still called babysitting. Yep. Yes. And it that still, still is. It wasn't that just... still happens. People yeah. still call it daddy daycare. Like, it's your parenting. Oh, yeah. you're giving, <laughs> giving mum a break, are you? Yeah. No, I'm watching my child. Yeah. I am look. I am yeah. being a, pa- a present father. I'm, I'm just living child. and I have some children. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, and, but, and that's the thing. Like, I want to know... What, what I would be curious to know is whether she viewed that as that at the time or whether this again is mm. in, re- yeah. in retrospect yep. whether she was putting that on herself as well yeah not sure and yeah so so basically she said he would make me feel guilty about my medical expenses as though I was doing it on purpose yet if you look up all the things that I was suffering from and looked at it as a big picture it would have been clear to anybody that at the time there was abuse going on there but alas they don't treat things individually and they treat you as a hypochondriac He'd complain about money all the time, yet he took a promotion but lost $15,000 a year to take said promotion. Mm. Yep, but I'd better not buy presents for the kids on their Christmas or birthdays and I had to stop making memories for the kids because they cost money. We were all supposed to save money all of the time. I had to give everything over that I ever spent for my whole married life. I did not have passwords to anything because I was told repeatedly that I wouldn't understand how it all works, that it's just better if he looks after everything because he's the one that's getting paid. I did not have my own bank account that was mine and he still had access to everything. Even my business bank account, he had it all. There's so much I could go into. He took my business from being in the black to being in the red. Some more background. I had a tremor disorder called essential tremor. Mm -hmm. Eventually, medication was no longer holding it at bay and the tremor started to affect my hairdressing and makeup business. So I got a deep brain stimulator implant. Now, I looked this up and I put a little uh, definition. So a deep brain stimulation is a neurosurgical procedure that uses implanted electrodes and electronic electrical stimulation to treat movement disorders associated with Parkinson's disease, essential tremor, dystonia and other neurological conditions. Doctors may use DBS for movement disorders or neuropsychiatric conditions when medications have become less effective or if their side effects interfere with a person's daily activities. So I just thought I'd mm-hmm. clarify that mm-hmm. there. And so Juanita continues, the actual stimulator itself can greatly affect speech. So I did require speech therapy after the surgery. And in my case, my speech became quite slurred. That asshole used to say in front of the kids that I was just drunk and I needed to lay off the wine and how much have you had to drink today, etc. Encouraging the kids to say the same and the kids would then start on me. When I read this part at my abode by myself... I got to this part mm-hmm. and I got up. I remember having like a physical reaction to their sort of anger at this guy. And I remember just walking around to my house, just like, yep. just, ooh, just, I couldn't sit down and keep reading for a little bit. I was so, yeah. It's obviously someone's getting their brain fuddled around with, right, in a medical uh, arena. It's, pr- it's, pr- it's probably going to be something 
something semi-serious that's wrong with you, right? Lend the girl a fucking hand. Like, like, so it's essentially brain it's, surgery. Yeah, like it's, she's it's, had, you know, she's had an implant. I don't know. Uh, bit of bullying never hurt anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, getting the kids involved in it is yes. that, that 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 is the first time here where I can't go. Well, well, yeah. There's no defense. Well, no, really. like it could have just been societal pressure that got you to that point, but that that's really kind of like. Alarm point number one. Mm-hmm. I might horrible. press the button, but I'm not going to. Mm. But but yeah, that that's where I, as a friend knowing nothing more than what's been shared in this one, mm. that's where I I would call him out here. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so oh, I've just realised that I haven't blanked where he went to work. So I'm just not. I'm just going to say overseas. Okay. Um, he went off to work overseas, leaving me here to run and organise everything with the kids, all their activities, their school, and still work. He would deposit an allowance for me for groceries and fuel, and it was never enough. And I'd have to plead for more money, and then be dragged over the coals as to what I'm spending it on. He would get irate if he couldn't reach me, or if I didn't answer the phone, or if I took too long to respond to a text. It wasn't like I was busy or anything. I fell asleep at a red light one day. I was so exhausted. I was running on negative empty. I tried to say to him one ma- one day, mate, I'm a hairdresser. I work with my hands and I can't, you know, if my hands are busy, I can't be texting to yeah. respond to you. And his response was, well, you need to answer and go back to what you're doing. He'd come back from overseas and expected to be treated like someone special and I was like please just jump back to being part of this family pick up where you left off but no he wanted a song and dance and everyone to bow down to him he couldn't handle just being an ordinary run-of-the-mill white guy nothing special um he had such a fucking god complex now obviously she's looking at this in hindsight yeah yep yep so that's why when the various stints were up he uh he broke his neck not literally to when he sorry what she's saying is when his overseas stints were up, he did everything in his power to get back to there because, as he used to say, he was somebody over yeah. there. To tell you the truth, I was kind of glad when he went back because it meant that I didn't have to deal with him daily. I had brains. It's a really important, it's a really important point to call out to yourself. Yeah. When them mm. not being in the same room as you is a relief. That's what... That's what back in my episode Emma used to say to yeah, me is that when she said when I started staying in hotel rooms and would feel happier alone, yeah. that that was a trigger for her to know what was happening. Anyway, when Ada continues, I had my brain surgery in 2012 and then I had a spinal fusion in 2013. I was off work for six weeks and yeah. in that time Rough. he never came home. Oh, that, no, I I'm f- angry now. Yeah. I found out he was in the middle of a hot and heavy affair over there that he couldn't tear himself away from. I only found this out after I left him, though. Yes. During all of my recovery, with all her bloody kids, by the way, during all of my recovery, I'd said to the surgeon, I just want to be able to ride a horse when we went to the USA, as I had squirreled away enough money to be able to pay for a three-week trip to America and have some spending money. It was partly for work and partly a holiday. I paid for it in cash. He was furious when he found out that I had saved that much money without him knowing. He tore strips off me and then he didn't talk to me for two whole weeks. Oh, the yeah, dream. It would, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it unfortunately nice. when you're in that relationship and no, somebody it's is, it's, it's punishment and then you do, you really suck up to them and you like, like, why are you doing this? And you're, you turn your affection up because you're like, what the fuck have I done wrong? Yeah. Like it's, it's like a Pavlovian response. Um, he was quite happy, though, whenever we went out to walk up to the counter when I was buying something, dump things down that he had picked up and say, she's just going to pay for that, thanks, and walk out, though. Yeah. Class, I mean, I'm not going to diagnose anyone, but he's certainly behaving like a narcissist. Yep. Um, and whether or not that is a learned behaviour or an innate behaviour, I'm not, I, I don't know. I don't know this person. I want to know what what he used to reel her back in. Was it like love bombing or like were there like dramatic gestures that he made when they were alone? Because a lot of what seems to be happening is him humiliating her in public. I think it's the financial abuse. Like she doesn't have enough money to get out. (sighs) Yeah, but uh, Zane's wondering what... Yeah, what's keeping... what, what, What is keeping Juanita... 
emotionally connected mm. to this person. Yeah. I think because I, I've the financial never been in a physically there. abusive relationship, but I know from a coercive one that I kept thinking it would go back to what it was at the start, mm. which was nice. And I guess that's – and this might just be because when Juanita wrote this, it was about the 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 bad – things that have happened. Mm. So the good things have not been mentioned. So I can't go like, let's weigh up how much the good yeah. meant to me then yeah. and how much I want to get back to there. Yeah. Because when it started with after the honeymoon, a week of of denial, yeah. like that is almost immediate kind of f- f- a negative feedback. Okay. Yeah, you're right. So like that's – I'm – it's, it's a perverse interest on my behalf of, like, what is the justification for this guy to maintain his level of control? Because yeah. I can't imagine in my head either doing this or putting up with it. I think it's also a level that you've also never been beaten down that no, low. No, and, yeah. and that's and that's me. When speaking you don't from believe privilege. like you're worth yeah. anything, you don't believe that you deserve better. And there's I probably guess. there's probably extra wrinkles of societal expectations yeah. that when you get married, you stay married, or the yeah. marriage the marriage must yeah. work. And when he's the father of your children, you want all you want to do is make him. I don't know, stay yeah. or happy or yeah. play compl- or, uh, or, or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So this is where it gets um, a little bit rough. Mm-hmm. So brace yourselves. Um, I'm just going to get to the main event, she says, the thing that turned my world upside down because there seems to be too many instances of his abusive behavior that I can get sidetracked on and I don't want to bore you with those details. Let me start by saying that although there was much financial, emotional and verbal abuse, the physical abuse was limited, but it certainly did happen. He would put me in police wrist locks so roughly that I thought he was going to break my hand. He once did that police thing where they grab you up near your collarbone to subdue me. And when people came towards us, he made out like he was helping me. He did this in our own house at a party. Anyway... The night in question, and I'm sorry if I slip in and out of third person as I recount the incidents as a coping mechanism. Um, I went to bed as usual. He was in bed. I rolled over to kiss him goodnight and I rolled back to go to sleep. He rolled over on top of me and started kissing me so roughly it was virtually like he was eating my face. He was biting my face so hard all over and I was like, what the fuck? And I kept saying, stop it, I don't want to and trying to push him off. But then he grabbed my hands and pinned them above my head with his hands. Alarm bells are ringing in my ears. He ripped down her pants. I could hear the noise of her own blood screaming through her ears in terror. Now I've cut this bit out because I think it's too graphic to say on a podcast. I basically said he then uses his other hand to brutalise her in ways that literally literally tore her skin. I stopped asking for him to stop and tell him that he was hurting me as it was falling on deaf ears. No matter how many times I said it, it would not make him stop. He never uttered one word the whole goddamn time. I prayed to God that my kids wouldn't come in and see what he was doing to her. But then, on the other hand, I also hoped they would so that he would stop. And I didn't want to scream and frighten them and I didn't know what he would do. That is a really horrifying position to be in. Yeah. That is... I'm hearing this for the first time. Um, That sucks. Yeah. I mean, I've read this three times and I'm still getting really choked up listening to it. As Um, have I. And it... It manifests into a sort of hopeless anger for me. And if you can hear the recounting of this rape, this attack, and you can square it in your mind without the idea of, gee, I hope my children walk in to cat to interrupt this, but also yep. I don't want my children walking in to interrupt, to see this, to see their father doing this. So if you can't square this in your mind and apply it to your partner, your mother, sister, anyone, any female that you hold close, I don't know where to begin with you. I don't know. I can't go further. 
Yeah. Well, it's really, at that point, the only hope she had was her kids. Yeah. Yeah. I hope my I hope my daughter walks in to see me getting raped yeah. by my by their father. Gee, I hope that happens because I need that would stop this. But yeah. also, how the hell can you? Yeah, horrifying. How can you ask in. for that? Like, how can you? And but but those are the thoughts. Those yeah. are the two thoughts going through her head at that time. She didn't want these thoughts. She didn't ask for these thoughts. That's what she's pray, praying for. Okay, there was one point during the ordeal that she was hovering above herself looking down, hoping that she would just die because the pain that she was in was too much. I couldn't move. I'd frozen. I could see his face from the light of the ensuite and it was a contorted mask, bloody, frightening. I didn't recognise him. He continued to assault her, forcing violent penetrative sex on her until she almost passed out in pain. When he'd finished, she was bleeding and he just rolled over and went to sleep. Sorry. It's all right, darling. If you need to hand over the phone, <laughs> I can continue reading. It's all right. I struggled into the ensuite and shut the door and bawled my eyes out silently, my mind absolutely fried with disbelief with what had just happened, coming to terms with the fact that I had just been raped and that my husband was the one who raped me. Logically, I knew the right thing to do was to go get a rape kit done ASAP, but number one, that would mean me having to get out of the room past him and I had no idea what he would do if he saw me try to leave. And number two, our second child... This is horrible. Our second child was in senior year and I knew that having his dad be charged and sentenced with rape would greatly impact my son and how hard he had worked to try and get into his chosen uni and I wasn't going to let this asshole take that away from him. He'd already been too cruel to him over the years. So as I... It's very noble. It's a very noble position to have that you are looking out for your boy, your, your youngest, so much... That you're like, no, I can't. That's so noble to do. I in it might be wrong, it might be right, it might be wrong, but it's fucking noble to yeah. to to care for your child so much that you would rather, uh, I don't know, cocoon yourself from reporting or yeah. from what happened to she you. She puts it quite um, eloquently for something so horrific. She says, so as I eventually had a shower and watched my blood go down the drain, I thought that my hopes for justice were also going down that plug hole. The next morning, when I came out of the bathroom, he was standing opposite side of the bed and I said to him, you raped me last night. I could have gone and got a rape kit done and you'd be going to jail. You would lose your job. Do you understand? You raped me. That's and that's big. Mm, I, I will applaud her for doing that straight up. I know. Yeah. I know. That's so brave. He just threw his hands in the air, stared at me, raised his eyebrows and said, what, you'd lose the house if you did that? I knew from that moment that I was going to have to push this shit deep down if I was going to be able to keep going for the kids and for my business. I had nothing and I didn't think that anyone would believe me. Although I had said many, many times what an asshole he was and the things he'd done, because I am a happy, funny person, people person they thought that I was joking or exaggerating or would side with him calling me out for being high maintenance which would also boost his inflated ego so keep going I did until I was forced to close the doors on my salon due to ongoing back issues Voldemort was still working overseas at this time and he'd been there for basically 10 years even when he promised his son that was in senior year at the time of the assault that he would be home for him to do grades 11 and 12 the same as he had been for his other son, his blatant favourite child, he lied and signed up for another stint without consulting anyone in the family. So when I was forced to close the salon, we had the youngest still in school and he told everyone that I needed to, oh, my husband told everyone that I needed to move overseas with him to just relax and recuperate and put my feet up when in fact, when I did go there, I had no support, I was isolated and I had to depend on him for everything. And over there, he was hero-worshipped and I had nothing and nobody. So our baby girl went into boarding school and we did move over there even though I was scared. I said to his sister, who at the time was one of my best friends, I showed her where I had hidden money in my wardrobe if anything had happened to me. She'd been a witness on many occasions of his foul treatment of me. When I arrived overseas, he Point was... Point of order. Mm-hmm. 
Does the sister come back into the story? I don't remember, but possibly. When I arrived overseas, he was all happy, happy, joy, joy at the airport and in the compound for everyone to see. Literally, as soon as the door closed behind me and I put my suitcase down into the room, his words to me were, with a look of contempt on his face, you're in my world now. I kid you not, he said this through gritted teeth and a snarl. I started literally shaking. His job over there was, I'm going to redact the shit out of this job, but yep. it's it's real high up. Yeah, It's real high up in a, in a um, police-y kind of area so not only was he actually so it's not a police it's 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 high up at a national level of what he was doing um so not only was he an ex-cop he used to i think i'll say this he used to head up the intel unit in the prison over where i was at the time he was in charge of security and had national clearance in that country I was fucked, she said. No one would ever believe me above him here, which I guess was his plan all along. He did not utter a single word to me other than when we were out in public for three weeks. In public, no one would ever know anything was wrong. At home, I slept in the second room with the door locked. His cruel behaviour continued until an ex-friend suggested we go to marriage counselling. She could see that I was about to pull the pin. So as he was now all about saving face, he made a big song and dance to everyone that he's trying to save the marriage and that we'd start flying back to, I'm not going to, I'm going to take the place out here, staying Mm -hmm. back home once a month for the counselling. At the end of first session, the doctor asked us to write down all of the things that we don't like about the other person for the next session. We get back there and the doctor is ready to read the lists out. He has five nondescript things about me written down. And she said, fucking hard, I roll, you wanker. (laughs) 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 I had three fool's cap pages and the very last thing that I had written down was that he had raped me. This was the first time that I had ever voiced this in any form, what he had done to me. When the doctor got to that, he stopped. He looked at me, looked at Voldemort and said, I don't know if I can read this out loud. And as he said that, Voldemort clenched his fists and punched them into the couch. I was standing because my back was aching and watching him throw his head back and raise his eyebrows. The doctor then read what I had written about him raping me and the doctor said, what do you have to say about that? He said, I don't think it's as bad as she's making it out to be. What a prick. What a motherfucking a piece of person. shit. <laughs> but. <laughs> but. <laughs> I don't think it's as bad as she's making it out to be when this woman literally watched her own blood go down the fucking plug hole. I don't think it's as bad as she made it out to be. She literally just wrote down on a piece of paper, he raped me. Yeah. Yes, there's no details. That's all it needs to be. Yeah. The detail is almost negligible. Like, the detail can only make it worse. Yes, that's right. But the... That those words are already setting the bar of abuse so high. Yeah, yep. you're right. That, More details yeah. doesn't add, doesn't make it. But hey, guys, <laughs> I raped someone. But wait until you hear the details. Yeah. It's yeah. not gonna be. There's it's context. Not gonna, yeah. guys. I don't mean to laugh, but it's like yes, fucking hell. Flippant. That is so fucking ridiculous. But it's right? true, right? It's true. Like, and the gall to say that to a a counselor. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's a dickhead. I. I'm so concerned for where this goes from here. I'm hoping for good, positive, responsible outcomes. I, but I'm really worried. Okay, yep, noted. I'm not, yep. Let's get back into it then. The worst thing about all of this is that I then had to get black back on a plane with him and go back to our home overseas. Oh. Things went on for the best part of 2016 very strained. Coming back for counselling, me bending over backwards to try and put things behind me and just move on, still being treated awfully. And then I put the question out to him about him having an affairs and he came clean with it and he admitted it. I was told by one of his work colleagues that he slept with plenty of the local girls as well as the colleagues who were also fucking around on their spouses. While you're making this big song and dance about going to marriage counselling and how you're saving the marriage and you're such a good guy and you're still out banging someone else but making out your wife is the problem. The day he told me that, I was due to fly back to Brisbane for a specialist appointment. I packed up all my stuff that would fit and I had no intentions of ever going back, only to pack the rest of my stuff and make sure that my cats were being returned home. 
As soon as I got back home, I contacted a close friend who was a very high-ranking police officer who also used to be Voldemort's old boss, and I told him the whole sordid saga. He told me that he would help me in any way he could. When I decided two weeks later that I wanted to press charges, my friend pointed me in the right direction and got the ball rolling. I needed to show my girls that it didn't matter who it was, whether it was a spouse, a family member, a friend, anybody, they were not allowed to treat you like this and it was not okay for you to keep it a secret because it could destroy you. He always underestimated me, always put me down, treated me like I was dumb. Well, this little dummy managed to get that idiot on tape apologising for raping me. I might not have had DNA and it might have been a historical case, but it only took the 12 jury a few hours to come back with a unanimous vote of guilty. Good. None of his family were there because they didn't even think that he'd get charged. That is how arrogant they all were. He never even got up on the stand to defend himself. Not bad for this stupid, dumb hairdresser that really liked reality shows to be able to catch out the leaving out extremely high police rank at his own game. Must have been all that. I hope, I hope that those are his words, that she's throwing his words I'm back I'm pretty sure because he, she says earlier he always treated me like I was dumb. Well, this okay. dummy, yeah. Good. Must have been all that CSI and SVU that I love to watch that got me on that. Mate, when we had that recording, my girlfriend and I laughed out loud so fucking hard. It was like, I've got you, you motherfucker. Unfortunately, this breaks my heart. Unfortunately, the kids, not the youngest, didn't see it that way. The oldest girl said, it's bad enough, but why does she have to tell people about it? He was the victim because he went to jail, apparently. He was so protected in there that no one could get near him because he was an ex-cop and because he used to work with Intel in prisons and he used to do undercover with the bikies when he was a cop. So the filthy grub was with all the kitty fiddlers and sex offenders instead of in general pop when they really would have taken care of his mongrel ass. One of my closest friends at the time, uh, I no longer have anything to do with her. Hold on. Our husbands went through the academy together and was more concerned that it was what it was going to like. Yeah. So one of my closest friends at the time, who she no longer has anything to do with, um, was more concerned about what it was going to be like for him, an ex-cop, than for how I was. On the night of the verdict that was handed down, she told me this. And I tell you what, going through something like this certainly weeds out who's loyal to you, who's not, who's got your back and who's going to stand by you when things get horrendous. After 18 months... Voldemort was charged with four counts of historical rape, two of vaginal rape, two of anal rape, and he was only found guilty on the two charges of vaginal rape. He received a five-year sentence, five, five years, only to serve two and a half years in jail and then two and a half as a suspended sentence. Mm. There are no winners in this case. Yes, an asshole rapist had been sent to prison, but four kids now had a convicted rapist sex offending prisoner father. I have the most comprehensive DVO that the judge could lay down. He was released in 2021 to start serving his suspended sentence. Can I – I just want to point out, it should go without saying, and I'm not sure if Juanita feels the same, that she is not to blame – for her children having a rapist yes. as a father. I was going no, to say the absolutely exact not. same thing. You're um, 100% correct. Even regardless of what they think and what they say, that that is, it's just in no way. Their father chose fault. to be a rapist. Yep. Correct. Like that's, you know, but you can't, they didn't choose to have a relationship with somebody who chose to do that. And I right? think speaking about the reaction of, like friends and what have you kind of supporting or like, Oh, what's it going to be like for him in prison? Like that's what we, that's what we mean when we talk about like rape culture is like, Oh, but what can't we think about what a conviction would mean for these men? I'm like, well, what is life going to be like for these women? Not only now that there's a conviction on the books, but what was life for, for them? Like, as they had to live keeping this secret for someone who so horribly abused them. No, you're right. Uh, not just in this country, uh, America as well. Time and time and time again, you'll see uh, see some dirty rapist in prison, like in court, like a Brock Turner, if that's a name. That oh, absolutely. Uh, and 
But and then a judge will say, "Well, they have this promising life that we can't interfere with." But what about his athletic we, career? Yes, we can't. I mean, how long does it take to get raped? A couple of minutes. So you take that out of your life. No, you're you're right, Zane. Yeah. It's the abuse beforehand. It's during. It's afterwards. It's this whole cacophony. Getting raped would affect someone's life forever. Yes. And that's. I mean, I'm not sure how much longer we've got to go before I start kind of very short amount of time. <laughs> before I start the soapboxing but okay. I think that's uh, I'm worried that Juanita s- was worried so much about her children's yeah. reaction to this when surely surely them living in the in the in the same house in this situation could not have been pleasant no yeah 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 all right this atrocious process of dealing with the and dealing with the aftermath have pushed me to literally the end of my rope, causing me to be hospitalized on a number of occasions for ment- uh, to a mental health facility for my own safety and well-being. I virtually have no relationship with three out of four of my children, but that is their choice. They're walking their own path, and my door is always open should they wish to come through it. If you asked me if I would do this again, my answer would be a resounding hell yes. Good. For, as I said in my victim impact statement, how much is someone's safety worth? How much is a wife worth? Just because someone is married to someone, does that give them the right to be able to take from them that which we are all entitled to as human beings, a feeling of safety and protection in our own homes? No one has the right to take the feeling of safety from another human being, to violate their body, their mind, their souls or their space. Nobody I know that you hear all the time, if I can just help one person, it will have been worth it. However, I truly know this to be true. As a friend, uh, sorry, as a friend that knew my story, finally found strength in it and left her abusive partner and is now on the other side and doing wonderfully. And I am so grateful for her new life and positive outcome. No more do I have to worry about my laugh being too loud, my personality being too sparkly, getting too much attention, spitting and rinsing too many times when I clean my teeth. I shit you not, I was crucified for that one night. I couldn't even clean my own teeth correctly. I was trying to make happy memories for the kids and no longer did I have to worry about trying so hard. I worked 12 to 16 hours a day, six to seven days a week and somehow it was still not enough. I look back now and I think, geez, no wonder I'd get sick. It's no wonder I didn't get cancer from all of the stress. Now, I hope you haven't fallen into a ditch reading all of this and had to stick your head in the freezer to take a break, she says. <laughs> <I'm> so- <laughs> Almost. <laughs> we got close. Sorry if it's a bit haphazard. I tried to keep things in order, although there's just so much. I'm now living out on a farm with all my animals around me, cows, sheep, goats, and of course my three trusty cats trying to live my best life. Happiness is the best revenge. Enjoy your weekend, gang. Cheers, Juanita. I think vehicular manslaughter might be the best revenge. <laughs> and like, I'm not making any it's threats. I'm just like, not. if we, if we, if we. I kind feel of pro- like you're violating no threats on Mike Zane. Um, it's far. It's it's I'm too just saying, fast. Like, if we if we weigh up the pros and cons, it's too quick. It's too <laughs> Who, quick. It was head. an accident. Mm. I just lost control of the car. I just had a moment. Should I let a moment destroy my entire life? (laughs) Well, I mean, that kind of brings back to exactly the point is like, should we let a moment destroy our entire life? Like that that assault, that rape, let's call it what it is, that rape. What is your life worth if you have to live with that every day in the same in the same world with that person. Is it worth, because again, the way that it's ended up is it's been skewed by the people surrounding the family so that the children that she was thinking about so much that she didn't seek help, didn't seek Mm. justice then, now are no longer in contact because of this event. I feel like, as we pointed out earlier in the story, that um, Voldemort worked incredibly hard to poison the well against her from a very, very early time in their lives, right? Because, you know, why else... I'm sorry, but if I found out that my mother had been at the hand of 
you know, such a brutal rape, I would be championing her from the hills for telling people about it, like not being like, why that's so embarrassing. I totally, I totally agree with you, Liz. And But I can also see it where if you're a young man and you find out your, your dad is a rapist, where you would, that would cause a conflict internally with mm. you, where you would go, no... Because that would mean I am, that kind of, like, potentially would mean I am, and I'm not, so he can't be. Or where you would defend this guy or his actions. Not, not, not in the right. Depending on how old you are, yeah. you might also be like, fuck, everyone in the school is going to think that I'm a rapist yeah. as well. Or that, you know, like, or like how embarrassing for me. Because when you're at that, like, 12, 13-year-old age, mm. like, everything is about you. So I'm not. I'm not. It sucks that you don't. That not all your kids are talking to you right now, Janita. But I reckon in give them time to figure it out, and they and they'll cut. They can come around potentially. Uh, it's fucking tricky and it's hard. Look, even if during the process of this, of of of, of this coming out and and finding your justice or whatever justice you could, five years is not enough. Two and a half is. Not even close. I think it would be totally understandable for you to become a pretty difficult person to be around as you're dealing with these issues. And again, I don't think that you can be faulted for going through that, that time in your life where you cannot hear this person's name and Mm. be a pleasant person to be around. That's, Totally normal, I would I would say. Yep, you, you get um, a pass on that. And it's going to be difficult for children to hear someone that they care about so much spoken about in such a way. I do think, though, that this is what we talk about with the Me Too movement, that we can't place... We, we can't place the potential of men's lives being inconvenienced by women's... By women's abuse, Mm-mm. I don't think I said that correctly. But we can't. We we have to believe when it comes out. We have to believe and and take it to what it uh, take it to the extent that and especially we can. like even when it's proven, right? Like mm-hmm. the Brock Turner thing. If we use that case in his game as an example, it was proven that he did what he did, mm-hmm. right? There's yeah, no. That's why I said. He was he was <laughs> he was literally there were witnesses, um, and even then they don't punish him in a way that is in any way lined up with the crime to avoid ruining their life, I say in quote yeah. marks. So like even when there is absolutely no doubt we don't come down hard enough because they're like, oh, well, it's a couple of minutes. It won't. It will ruin their life. But you know what? A couple of minutes of trauma is enough to ruin somebody's life for yeah. the rest of but their life. But also that couple of minutes isn't isolated. Like yeah. they have a personality that supports their actions for that couple of minutes. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we've seen it time and time again, even here in Australia with, with victims like Hannah Clark, who um, was a woman in Brisbane whose husband had started out quite slowly but escalating in violence and ended up jumping into a car and murdering her and his children um these kind of acts escalate they always do it's one of those things where like you know it started out in Juanita's relationship where he was just financial abuse and just ignoring her for a little bit then it was police cuffs then it was putting her in a in a police hold and then it was brutal rape and then it was isolating her in another country like you know, if a person is okay, it, it's such a sliding scale, right? Like if a person is okay with one thing, it's it's yeah, very likely it will escalate. What I would like to, I guess, put out there is that the, yeah, that escalation is the important thing to get in, to, to cut off early. Mm-hmm. So again, Juanita with rose-coloured glasses... Mm. Maybe didn't see the financial abuse. Maybe didn't see the uh, emotional abuse. But people around her did. She said that his sister was aware of some of it. This and, is what I yeah like. And I, like that is something that that's I chilling think, to me. Yeah, as a just as a human being, mm. asking that question and just saying, "Hey, I don't know if I'm misinterpreting this, but I've seen this behavior and this behavior and." 
I'm not comfortable with that. Can you explain where that's coming from? And even if they're like, oh no, everything's fine, even if it isn't, that lets them know that you're a safe place. Uh, it's a weird and it's a weird one because we don't like involving ourselves generally as human beings. We see someone getting knocked about over there or someone we we're sort of we sort of don't want to get well yeah statistically they say that people are more likely to help if you scream fire than if you scream yes that's right so uh, and this is and this is a problem across across humanity not just with intimate relationships like this but you're right zane there's no downside for getting involved because either you're Either there's no problem here. Mm. No, there's no, no. You've misread the situation. X, X, Y, and Z happen. Things are totally fine. Thank you, your concern. Or, yeah, there is something here. So See, there is I a know, danger, though. I know, I know well, it's hard, but we... The, it, it, the thing is, is that sometimes if you say, hey, yes, yes. Uh, you know, I noticed this behaviour, what's up about that? Then they will be potentially embarrassed and try and cut that person out of their life so they don't have to be as embarrassed in front of them anymore and then that's another support. Like it's so difficult to – because these people want to isolate you. Well, and what I'm saying is not necessarily only doing it to the abuse victim. As men and male-presenting people who have the privilege of – being on the other side of rape culture, mm. it's our responsibility to call it out and change that actively. So it's not just a matter of like letting... So if I was in this situation, it wouldn't just be my my job to call out, to, to say, hey, Juanita, I'm a safe person. If you need help, mm. let me know. Come stay in my house. It would be saying to Voldemort, hey, how you're treating her is not okay. Don't do that in front of me. I would want to know if if any men noticed, if any if any men in their lives noticed that behaviour. But see, I just I also wonder if it's that whole. Oh, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but like like the the, the, the police force is an incredibly masculine, yeah, it is locker talky place it's to a, be. It's a and that's a, it's a culture, and it's it's going to f- there is friction, and you have to be confident enough in yourself yeah. to accept the friction that it's going to cause. But fuck, how difficult would it be to call out anything that someone who is in a position of so much power, like, yeah, so, like, oh God, I wish I could just say what his job title was. So much power, <laughs> so much power over not just her, but over, you know, like he, he could have quite easily stopped her from leaving the country. He mm. could have quite easily, you know, oh man, like, and the fact that he probably just had the sweetest fucking prison life ever. Anyway, look, what I want to say, um, Juanita, is thank you so much mm. um, for writing in your story, for taking the time to tell us all of that to, um, I guess, advance the conversation of um, family violence and escalating violence in situations and how different coercive control situations can lead to that kind of violence. Um, and there's one thing, so when I was talking to um, Juanita via text to make sure that she was still okay with us sharing her story, she actually said to me, she said, I'm really sorry that you had to read that. And I was like, please <laughs> do not apologise. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And I think you are so wonderful and so brave and so incredible for not only standing up for yourself but being willing to put your story out there because I can guarantee you that there will be someone listening to this podcast today who recognizes even just an inch of their story in your story and their wheels start to turn and they start to realize that they're in a situation that they're being abused and this could be the start of them making that decision yeah, I nearly, to get out. I nearly guarantee it. Janita, uh, in this story, you were and have been so much stronger than me. I don't just, I look at your story and I just see so much strength and willingness to survive that I don't have. And so I, so I'm, so thank you for that. Thank you for having strength. Cause I just, I'm just baffled looking at that and going and applying my own. How would I deal with this? I don't fucking know how I could. 
how on earth do you bounce back from some of this stuff? When I read this, honestly, like I just went um, and <laughs> I went and sat on my porch for probably about an hour and just like stared at the sky because like I, I had no words. I was, uh, I was furious. I'm angry that, you know, things like this are still happening and still allowed to happen. I'm angry that people have to think of the, the people can't just think, you know, of themselves and how to get themselves out of it, that people feel like they have to stay in horrendous situations because of other people. I'm, I'm just, I don't, like I don't, I've got too, I'm, I'm saying too many words for right, the fact please. that I have no words. We all need to, uh, we all need to come away from this episode and, and unpack it and let it simmer. Um, it, that's all of us at home, readers, you have to do the same as well. You have to, it's a, it's mandatory. After hearing a story like this, Take you, a have, you have to. There's no buts around it. So as we, we're not going to do a lessons learned. Zane, do you have any final thoughts? I would final? just like to point out, um, I have a, a something I'd like to point out and then a piece of advice I'd, I'd like to give. Sure. Something I'd like to point out is how uncomfortable growing up in a small town in a very masculine environment. Uh, I, I was probably more aware of what the interactions were because I was a queer kid. Mm. I This story made me uncomfortable with how much I identified with the culture that was being presented. The ease with which a husband can demean a wife in public in order to maintain control and kind of develop that, that kind of status over her and put her in a powerless position. Mm. That hits a place in me that I feel very ashamed to be able to relate to. I would like to think that, well, I've never known any, I've never known any convicted rapists. Mm. I can't say that I've never known any rapists or that anyone I've known has committed rape. Sure. But reading this story, a lot of those symptoms have happened in front of me that I have not called out. Because I, I wasn't in a place then to identify that kind of scale of escalation. Isn't that interesting, though, when you just said, I don't know any convicted rapists, but I know, like, I, I, I know rapists. I know not a single convicted rapist, but I know rapists. Yeah. That's fucked. I'm, That's pl- fucked. I I'm didn't even sure think of that. I'm sure everyone does. Yeah. I it's. Is that, am I wrong? <laughs> am I weird? Should I? Should I? Hmm. Well, no, that, that that's a story for another day. Um, yes. But, yeah, I think, and that that's really what I'm taking away from this is it's on everyone to be on the lookout and be the strength that we want. Reading through that story, we wanted Juanita to find that impetus to get justice I was fucking cheering when she said she packed yeah. her back. Like my brain was going, yes, girl, yeah. get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And it's like all the way through. And so I think we need to carry that through just in regular life so that even if we're having a good time and then something happens and we're like, oh, I don't want to wreck this good time by pulling us down with that. Like we really have to make a conscious effort to do it. My advice is if you're in a situation similar to Juanita's and you feel that there isn't evidence you haven't got a recording Mm. you are not in a position to go to the hospital or the police after an incident keep a diary yes in some way just just writing down today i rinsed and spat too much in the sink and i got a 10 minute yelling at and just that will be the diary Something. of escalation. Yeah. And look, I would advise um, now that we have such wonderful technology, they used to say time and date it, but if you literally, it's metadata, if you put that in notes on a computer and something password protected or something like that, if you can, because then they know that you wrote it and felt it and it happened, you know, when you said it did. Make an email address. Send it to yourself at that same email. That's address. actually a great idea because yeah. then you don't have to keep it on your phone. Just send and it to your send it you to have a your secret own email address. Um, but yeah, and that's like if if you truly feel that there's no one that you can turn to, firstly, write to us, and yep. then keep a diary. Mm, yeah, because so you're, you're, you're documenting. You're documenting 
crimes or assaults or whatever or misdemeanors. It's a, it's you're, a history chronological of invisible yeah. of invisible transgressions. Yeah. So, so after a year goes by, you've not written one diary entry. You've written twenty five, and yeah. there's a there's a important uh, list of history to return to. I don't I don't know. If you listen to this story and weren't affected by it, you should, none of it resonated with you. Because I hear this, I heard this story and it it echoed around my ribs and my internal structure and my brain and every, this it, it affected me physically, I was sh- shaking during it. And I'm not trying to be, claim a gold star or a, bra- or I'm just trying to say, it should affect it should everyone. It should. It should you. absolutely affect everyone. And it doesn't that doesn't mean that you have to identify with it. That's a very different thing. Yep, but absolutely. this is something that should affect anybody. Um, I, I I cannot explain how thankful I am to Juanita for having the bravery to put all of that down on paper, not only to live it, but to put it out there so that she might be able to help one extra person. Um, if you have any stories that you would love to share with us that you think might help other people, that is all what we are trying to do on this podcast. We are trying to make people at home feel like they are not alone. Um, and also, I guess if you have any messages you would like to pass on to Juanita, we can make sure that they get to mm, her too. Absolutely. Um, in the meantime, I'm not going to do the usual sign-off because I think this has been a heavy episode, mm. but just call out things as you see them and I think the world will hopefully get better one day if we do that. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There are known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns. But there are also unknown knowns. The Ancient and Esoteric Order of the Jackalope is a secret society devoted to unearthing and sharing this forgotten knowledge. Each episode, we take one of these strange stories and share it with you. No topic is off-limits, except for the obvious. Available wherever fine podcasts are sold.